So today we're actually concluding a series. Everybody go, oh. We're concluding a series called Gone Fishing. And if you missed the last three weeks, man, you've really missed a lot. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sermons. They're online. You can either listen to them on a podcast or you can watch them on videos on our, on our website. Um, but basically the, the, the theme of this series is uncovering the greatest adventure of your Christian life and understanding that so many people miss out on the biggest part of their Christian life when it comes to what you can do. So beyond your relationship with God, that's the biggest part, all right? But as far as what you can do with your faith in Christ, reaching the lost and going fishing is the best part. It's exciting. It's fun. It's exhilarating. And so many people miss out on that, and they make it harder than it needs to be. It's just a simple matter of loving people and telling them what you've found in Christ. So listen to the series if you get a chance, and, and I know that you, uh, you'll be glad that you did, all right? So today I want to talk with you about, as we conclude this, I want to talk with you about being a good fishing buddy. Now, if you've ever been in a boat with somebody you shouldn't have been in a boat with, you know how important this is. <laughs> and you can't control the people that get in the boat, but you can control whether or not you get in the boat. <laughs> And you can control, here's what, here's what I want you to focus on today. You can control how you behave in the boat. So today is not some, you know, tearjerker of a sermon. You're not going to walk out of here crying today like you normally do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's going to be just a simple sermon. It's going to be something that I hope will just strike you deep and understand the heart and the passion behind Relate Church. Uh, what God wants us to do together as a church family and, and how he wants us to relate to him and how he wants us to relate to each other. Amen? So when I was a teenager, uh, I took one of my friends fishing, and I talked about this guy a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And he was the guy, if you remember, those of you who were here, he was sitting on the bank, and that's the kind of fishing he liked to do. He liked to just stare at the tip of his rod that's boring to me because I grew up bass fishing and we're moving and going all kinds of different places in a boat, you know, and he's sitting there in a lawn chair and I got bored and I went over and I found a fish that was under a bridge and I scraped it out and I shocked him that I had this giant fish. It was awesome. Great story. All right. So listen to it if you haven't heard it. But that was the same guy and we had two different fishing styles. Well, I took him to my fishing spot. I borrowed my dad's truck and John boat one day. We were just teenagers, late teens. And we went to this spot, and, and we were fishing, and he didn't, he, he didn't understand why the, we had to move all the time, and the boat was moving, and there was moss everywhere. And the problem was, that day, there wasn't a lot of fish biting. And so we're there, and, and there's not many fish biting, and there's moss. Now, that could be very frustrating if you let it be. Now, if you're a good buddy to fish with, you know that just being out on the lake, under the sun, in nature, you got to be settled that that's a good thing, right? This guy wasn't settled. <laughs> he was like me, though. I got up and walked around, you know, when, he was, when we went to his fishing spot. So uh, what happened is he, he pulled in his line, and, and uh, as he reeled it in, it got jumbled up with moss. You ever had a big clump of moss on your bait? He pulled the moss off, and, and after he had done that probably 50 times, he decided that instead of throwing it into the water, 
he was going to look my direction. <laughs> whack! <laughs> and it just started. And I was like, what? I pulled my bait in. I pulled the moss off. Threw it at him. We didn't say anything to each other. He pulled his bait in again. Pulled it off. (laughs) Pulled it off. Threw it at him. Before we knew it, we were in an all-out moss war. It was like, I can't imagine what the cows were thinking, you know, and the farmer, if he was looking out. We, were, we had moss just flying from one end of the boat to the next for about five minutes, just, ah! and by this time, we were laughing, but then it got to the place where, you know, I was like, okay, but, you know, it's time to get back to fishing. Got to get back to fishing. So I stopped throwing moss, but he didn't. I'm like, come on, Chris, come on, Chris, stop, stop, stop. Come on, let's get back to fishing. And he's like, Ooh. so he keeps throwing it. And, and I, finally, I just said, hey, look, look, we're here to fish. That was fun. <laughs> Whack. That was fun. Used to be funny. Not funny. Whack. He just kept throwing it. And for about 15 minutes, I just wouldn't throw it back. I'm like, come on, you know, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. And he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. So after about 20 minutes, I turned the trolling motor on and we went back to the truck. So what I didn't realize was Chris was frustrated, and he had a lot of pent-up frustrations probably in his life and stuff, and he was taking it out on me, <laughs> and it was not a good person to go fishing with that day, and, and so often we have situations in church like that in the body of Christ with people with pent-up frustrations, problems, and difficulties, and when church isn't as fun as it needs to be at that moment... They start throwing moss. Anybody ever been hit by moss before in church? That is not our church. I don't know. (laughs) So so what we want to talk about is being a good fishing buddy. And recognizing when you want to throw moss. And understanding when someone else is starting to throw moss for what it is, sometimes you can help them, sometimes you can't, right? Now, let's, we're going to read a scripture, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read from the contemporary English version. And this is just what we're going to simply go through today. We don't have a lot of big, you know, scripture stuff. This is just going to be very simple today, all right? Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord... All right, so Paul is saying, I'm in prison. Y'all are free. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. You guys are free. Y'all are having church and everything is great for you considering what I'm going through. As a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to live in a way that is worthy of the people God has chosen to be his own. Always be humble and gentle, patiently put up with each other and love each other. Try your best to let God's spirit keep your hearts united. Do this by living at peace. All of you are part of the same body. Say that with me real quick. All of you are part of the same body. Now let's change you to us. All of us are part of the same body. 
You belong together. You belong to each other. And he says, I lost my place. Here we go. (laughs) He says, there's only one spirit of God, just as you were given one hope when you were chosen to be God's people. He says, there's one God, we're all worshiping the same God, Jesus and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? And he says, that's all the same. We We have only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. He says, this is our focus. One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So, as we get started today, here's something you need to know. If you keep throwing moss, don't expect others to go fishing with you. Thank you, Sandra. So imagine with me that this is a boat, that we're in a boat. The the, the Relate Church is a boat. And we're trying to fish, right? We're all here to catch fish, and that's why we're in the boat, to catch fish. And everyone has their place, everyone has their part, everyone has their responsibility. And if you haven't found that, that's okay. We will help you to work towards that. It just takes time to figure out who you are and what your gifts and what your talents, your abilities, and and whether or not you're ready for that spiritually. All of that just takes time to start working towards that, right? Growing into those places of, of ministry. Now, so we're in a boat, and in this verse, Paul gives us some good instructions on how to be in this boat together. And he starts with this live in a way that is worthy of the people God has chosen to be his own. So, first, we got to recognize that the people in this boat are here not because you chose them. Your pastor wasn't chosen by you. He was chosen by God to be here. And the people around you weren't chosen by you. They were chosen by God to be here in this boat, right? As a father, through the years, I've seen sibling rivalry in my home. And it's so important and so healthy for every one of my children in my house to understand That there's accountability for how they treat each other. Why? Because the father is paying for the house. The father is paying for the food. And the father wants all of his children to be there and to be happy, right? And when one of the children has a problem with the other child, they've got to deal with the father. If You understand what I'm saying? And we've got to understand that in the boat that we're in, that the father has chosen who's in the boat. And be good to one another in light of the Father, right? And here's the beauty of this. I can preach this today without even thinking about it because everybody in the boat right now that I know of is doing great. So while there's peace, you see good kings prepare for war in times of peace, right? All right, so Paul says this. Because God has chosen the people in, the, in this boat, you need to live in a way that is worthy of these people. Because God has chosen the people that that are in this boat, you and I need to live a life worthy of each other. That's beautiful, isn't it? Another version said it this way. The NIV says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And when Paul is writing this, he's writing it to individuals, but he's also writing it to the church collectively. Live a life 
together. Live a life individually that each of you understand that everybody's in this together. So Paul was speaking to individuals and to the group of believers saying, this is a calling you've received from God. Respect it. Respect him and respect us together. So he says next this, always be humble and gentle. How many of you are just really good at being humble? (laughs) Wow, not one hand. (laughs) That's a great confession right there. That's why we have the cup of humility, all right? (laughs) And by nature, you know, gentleness may not be your natural disposition. So what's the opposite? Pride. And pride destroys relationships. All of us have an example of that, don't we, in our lives. And the moment, listen, the moment you or I believe that we deserve something, destruction of a relationship is on its way. When I start saying, I deserve, I'm setting people up in my life for failure. When we say that in our marriage, we're setting our spouse up for failure. I deserve. Therefore, we've set them up for failure. And when we say it at work, I deserve. We set our our boss, we set our, our workplace up for failure. And when we say it in church, I deserve. You see, the, the enemy will whisper to you, you deserve that position. The enemy, listen, you and I have an enemy. There's an enemy that wants to destroy what we're doing here today. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? There's an enemy that wants to destroy your marriage. There's an enemy that wants to destroy your family. And you have to fight and work hard to keep things moving forward, right? And so we have to understand that there is truly an enemy that wants to destroy what's happening here, especially because God is doing something in each of your lives. So it's it's important for us to understand that in your home, you deserve more from your spouse. You'll hear that. At work, you deserve them to treat you better. And it's pride that is speaking through us and into our lives. Pride destroys. And so Paul says this, always, always, always be humble and be gentle. One of the guys at the church where we were at in Oklahoma City years ago he was an avid fisherman. And listen, this guy, he, when he bought something, he took care of it. He was one of those guys that he bought everything that was tricked out to the nth degree. You know, Whatever it was, if it was a boat, if it was a truck or a car, if it was a house, he took everything. And everything that he had, no matter how much he used it, always looked like it was brand new. He would take care of everything so meticulously and perfect. He would use his boat a lot and even come down here to Ray Roberts. And if you've been on that lake, you understand when I say you get scratches on your boat and all kinds of stuff happens. And whatever happened to his boat, he would take it in and have it fixed. So his boat was always looking pristine and like it was brand new in the garage. And his trucks were always the same. It was, he just took care of everything so, so well. And we were in his new Tahoe because he invited me and another guy to go fish with him. Brand new Tahoe. Everybody understands that's an expensive vehicle, right? So we're driving down the road and it's early, early in the morning. I had brought this giant container of coffee. Mm -hmm. 
got settled in the back seat. I'm listening to conversation. I pick it up, and it's empty. Oh, no. I start looking for something. I'm like, what am I going to do? God help me. The whole thing spilled. Like, it was, it was gone. I couldn't even see it. It was like under the seat or something. Oh, it was awful. So, Larry, 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 I've got a problem. I spilled my coffee. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. No, you don't understand. <laughs> I spilled. The entire thing is it. It's all right. I'll take care of it. No worries. No worries. I got. No, Larry, you don't understand. I'm back there and I'm freaking out. You could imagine. I mean, it was a brand new Tahoe. It was beautiful. We got to the lake and, and we got out and I'm like, Larry, please look at. He just passes me up and goes back to get the boat ready to drop it in the lake. I'm like, you don't understand. I need you to see what I've done. <laughs> I've ruined your truck. You don't. Larry was there to fish. He didn't care about it. He didn't care about it at all. We fished. We laughed. Afterwards, we went and we ate somewhere and we got back to the, the house. I'm like, Larry, you need to check. No, don't worry about it. I got it. No, you don't understand the whole thing. <laughs> It was horrible. You know what? He never said a word to me about that coffee. I'm, I, he probably just had to trade in the truck. <laughs> never said a word to me about it. Never held it against me. He was there to fish. He was there to have fun. And that's what he kept his focus on. I was nervous as could be. But he treated me with such love and kindness and just never held it against me. And, you know, even just a few years ago, I mean, we're talking 20 years later, a few years ago, he called and he was like, hey, I want you guys to go fishing with me, you and your father to go fishing with me. And he was inviting me because he had started a guide service up on Texoma for smallmouth bass and he wanted us to go. And, and then uh, the weather messed up and he was like, man, it's not, the fish aren't biting like they should be. So we put it off and then he, he became sick and wasn't able to go. But you know what? He never held that against me. I dumped an entire cup of coffee in his truck. And he never held it against me. And Paul says, be humble and gentle with one another. And I'll never forget how he made me feel about that. Be humble and gentle with one another. And he goes on to say, patiently put up with each other and love each other. Patiently put up with each other and love each other. One of the things that stuck out with me to Larry, from Larry is that he kept the main thing the main thing. You know how easy it would have been to get to the boat ramp and him freak out and start trying to clean up that coffee? Would he have really been able to clean it up? He would have just tried. So instead, he just said, ah, don't worry about it. We're going fishing. He didn't even look at it. We went fishing. We had fun. And that's why we were there. And that's what God invites us to be like in the church. Let's go fishing and have fun. Now, if you want to worry about the coffee stains and all that, so yeah, we clean it up later. We got Kenny, right? 
Kenny's a carpet cleaner, if you didn't know that. If Larry put up with me and he overlooked my sin against his truck <laughs> and against him, he overlooked it. And what does the scripture say? Love covers over a multitude of sins. Put up with each other. Love one another deeply. And here's the truth. You wanted to be in the boat with this guy. And when he messed up, and let me tell you about when he messed up. <clears throat> Went fishing with him and he made me a sandwich with mustard on it. And I'm telling you, it wasn't just a little bit of mustard. He squirted like a quarter of the bottle on one sandwich. And I absolutely hate mustard on a sandwich. It is disgusting to me. And this was before I spilled the coffee, so he wasn't getting me back. <laughs> but you know what? I ate that sandwich like it was the best taste in steak and potatoes I'd ever had. I ate it, and I smiled because I loved Larry. He gave me mustard. Loved him anyway. Patiently put up with each other and love each other. Listen, there's going to be times that I deliver mustard to you on a Sunday morning, and you like mayo. There's going to be times that I give you something that you don't like. There's going to be decisions that I have to make that you don't like. And you've got to choose whether or not you're going to love me in the process of that. Wednesday nights, when Dana teaches or John teaches or Harvey teaches, they're going to deliver mustard some Wednesday nights. You're not going to like it. I have a challenge for you. Maybe... The real thing God wants you to do is learn how to love them instead of just what you like and don't like. There's someone sitting next to you that's going to give you mustard sometime. And the challenge is, some of you are hugging your wife. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> You're going to get mustard from somebody. You've got to choose to love one another. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice, right? Years, uh, so I, I want to I, I switch gears for just a moment. How important is it for our kids to see this among us? Right? And, you know, kids can be dangerous in a boat. We got to teach the kids how to be in the boat. I remember a story when my when my brother was little. My parents had taken him fishing, and they were out and having a good time. If you don't know anything about my brother, he's he was hyperactive, especially as a child, very hyperactive. So to have him in the boat was like inviting the Tasmanian devil. With <laughs> <laughs> and my dad had fixed him up with a, a fishing a, a worm, and so instead of putting the worm out and just letting it letting it settle and, and waiting for a fish to grab it, he's just reeling it in and whoosh, 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 you know, he's throwing it out. And all of a sudden my father hears, Wah! and he turns around and mom has this worm hanging from her nose. 
And he had done it so hard, they didn't even have to go to the hospital. It had ripped it so badly, he was just able to pull it right out. Yeah, you guys are ready for lunch now, aren't you? <laughs> Kids can be dangerous in a boat, right? And it's our responsibility as a church family to teach kids how to be in the boat. And it's our responsibility to show them how to have a safe boat to live in as, as a church family together. And, and it's so important for your kids to know that you're enjoying being with the other fishermen in the boat. I remember when I was a kid also that my parents, I, I'll never forget how I heard them talking about the people in the church. When they got in the car, they were, they were, they were loving towards the people in the church. And they loved their pastor. Yes. <laughs> And there was one thing that stood out in my mind. My mom probably doesn't even remember this, but I remember overhearing her on the phone one time talking to somebody about her pastor, our pastor, and she said this statement, he is so smart he could be the president of the United States. Now that meant something back then, all right? <laughs> but I remember thinking, wow. She believes in him. And my, my father and the things that I would hear him say about our pastor, it was so good and it was so, so awesome. And um, it just it made an impact in my life. And it was powerful. Uh, I remember also one time that that same pastor had come up with a slogan to try to get the people excited in the church. And the slogan was, catch the vision. And he wanted to inspire and he wanted to find a way to intentionally get everybody inspired in the church. And I remember walking along this certain hallway in the church with a friend of mine and some, something that I was holding had Catch the Vision on it. And he had he'd seen it and he had already known about it. And he looked over and, and well, what the pastor had made was like coffee mugs and all kinds of different paraphernalia so that our people could take it home and see, catch the vision and pray for it. Oh, our church is doing something. We're moving forward. We're trying to... And he was... This is something to be excited about and to pray about. And my friend looked over and he saw whatever I was holding and it had catch the vision on it. And he started just going off on it. And he started saying, you know what? That's ridiculous. That's commercialism. And he was throwing moss. And I thought, I think to myself now, looking back on that, we were only like 10, 11, 12 years old. He wasn't saying that because he believed it. He heard it from his parents. Somebody that was being negative on the way home. Throwing moss. And it says, patiently put up with each other. Listen, if the pastor needs to learn something, give me time. Give me time. I'll give you all the time in the world you need to learn something. I'll clean up your coffee stains. I'll do my best to not serve you mustard. Give me time. But be patient with one another. Love one another as Christ has loved you and the church, right? Paul goes on to say, try your best to let God's spirit keep your hearts united. Try your best. Give it your best effort to be united. Listen, any two-year-old can see the negative. Do this 
He says, do this by living in peace. He says the key to letting, the, letting God's spirit keep us united is by you choosing to be a person of peace. And are your thoughts peaceful thoughts? James David, would you come? When you choose to live at peace, you become a great fishing buddy. Are your thoughts about us peaceful thoughts, good thoughts, positive thoughts? Train your mind. Train your heart. Because that allows us to be at peace with one another. How do you live at peace? It's a choice. You start letting what God has said about you become real to you. God has provided my security. He tells me who I am in Him. And He's provided relationships. You see, the beauty about the church, the fishing boat that you're in, is we have to love you. We have to love you. And you get to practice love here. And you get to mess up. And as long as you'll work with us, and as long as you'll be at peace, work with us. We'll always be here for you. And you're welcome to go and try somewhere else. Knock yourself out. But know this, our call is to be here. And to work together, to fish together, and to keep the main thing the main thing. Fishing and having fun together. He says the key to, to this is letting God's spirit keep us united by living at peace. And let's be honest, why would you ever want to bring a friend or a family member to a church full of a bunch of bitter people? Last Sunday was so much fun. We had a spontaneous baptism, two of them. Listen, I've been in a car accident this, this year so far. I've been in an armed bank robbery so far this year. And I've had to baptize somebody in a river that was really cold this year, two of them. <laughs> That's my year so far. And the one that I enjoyed most was baptizing Sam and Amy last Sunday. So much fun. And listen, I'll break ice to baptize somebody. Those are the exciting things. That's the fun. That's fun. And that's meaningful. And we got to keep it that way. And I'm telling you now, be ready. There's an enemy that wants to stop what's going on here. And that makes us brothers and sisters who need to hold tightly to one another. And don't let the little stuff, don't let the mustard and the coffee stains get in the way. Because they're going to be here 
if you like mustard and don't like mayo, then it's the mayo. I don't know. <clears throat> so I'm using this to also introduce you to a series that we're going to start next Sunday. And it's some of the most powerful teaching that you would ever receive in your life. And it's the relate process. Doing relationships God's way. There's not anything more important to talk about in church than doing relationships God's way. A relationship with Him and a relationship with each other. We can talk about revelation. We can talk about Jesus coming back. We can talk about social issues. We can talk about a lot of things in church. But here, what we focus on is how to have a relationship with God and with each other. And we dabble in those other things because this teaching, Relate, teaches us how to deal with those issues in our lives. Because it's all Scripture. It's all Scripture. And so next Sunday, we're going to be starting the Relate series and if you want to learn how to have the strongest, most healthy church, most healthy personal life and family, I've seen people who have put these things into practice. They've gotten promotions at work. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen relationships with children restored. Learning how to do relationships God's way will transform your life and your walk with God. It's powerful plan to be here for it. Listen, God wants you to begin living at peace in your life. And when that happens, he will bring you fully into a family of unity. But boy, we let the enemy get a hold of us. And some of you are struggling, maybe in a relationship right now. Maybe you grew up in a church and you had problems and struggles and problems. Listen, that's what we're trying to alleviate. Help us change those things. Let's make a difference together. Some of you have been in this church for a while and you began to, to, to develop these. Let me ask the whole crowd, is this place different? This is why. Because we talk about how to love one another and how to love him. And how to live that. All right. So this morning, would you bow your heads? Maybe you're here and you've not entered into a relationship with God. and Maybe there's been a past experience, a situation at church. Maybe it was a parent. Listen, there's a, there's a statistic that says most children that grow up in church, when they get free from church, or their parents, that is, they quit going to church when they get into college. Probably because of the things that were said on the way home from church. Just a thought. If that was you, I would encourage you, turn that stuff over to God. If you were hurt by people at church that didn't care about you, it's time to turn it over to God. Because at this house, we're doing the best we can to love for you. And care for you. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. I promise you that. But that's your challenge to keep loving us and loving God in spite of it. And all I ask you to do in that situation is to allow us to make it right. And I'll do my best to make it right. 
today, right where you are, God has done everything it takes for you to have a life with him. Have you accepted Christ into your life? Have you said, God, I accept you for who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And I want to give you my heart and life for the, for the rest of my life. I want to serve you. I thank you for your forgiveness. Come on, just begin to pray this prayer. God, thank you so much for your forgiveness in my life. Thank you that you love me, you care about me, and you see me right where I am. I turn my heart and life over to you, and I invite you to come in today. Make me new. I forgive those who have hurt me. I turn them over to you, and I say, God, they're yours, and I thank you for your forgiveness in my life. Wash me, cleanse me. Father, I sense there's an enemy that is here right now that is trying to stop somebody from praying this prayer. And we pray against the forces of darkness right now in the name of Jesus. Release them to be able to accept you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we ask you and thank you, O God. The Lord rebukes you, Satan. No more. Release in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You sense that peace right now. That's the hand of God. And now is the time for you to say, Lord Jesus, come alive inside of me. Don't miss this opportunity. The enemy wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to separate you from your family, your friends. He wants you for his own, and he doesn't love you. He hates you. Turn to God. God, I thank you. Thank you. Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me. I want a new beginning with you in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. God, I, ex I establish a relationship with you today, and I thank you for loving me. Wash me. Cleanse me. New beginning in Jesus' name. That same enemy is going to tell you that you don't deserve it. You don't deserve with your past. It's not about deserve. It's about God freely gives this to you. He's chosen to love you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.